You're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, I'm back with another quick fast five looking at a couple of different sports, a couple of different topics, focusing a lot of my attention on the Super Bowl. Uh, it's about doing 12 hours till that kicks off, a little bit uh, later than I would have liked to record this, but that's all right. I did a big Super Bowl preview article that you can find at sportsbyfry.com. I'll chuck the link to it in the uh, description of this podcast episode, but Plenty to talk about for the Super Bowl. NBA trade deadline is less than a week away, only a couple of days now until that hits, which doesn't really sound like it. Usually this time of year, there's plenty of buzz and plenty of rumors swirling around, but it's pretty quiet. And there are a couple of AFL injuries that I want to address as well. So without further ado, let's get started. G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Sunday evening, hopefully unlike yours truly you're not too dusty as we head into a new week. I'm back with the Fast Five today, focusing my attention as I said at the lead off on the Super Bowl and that is the first thing that I want to talk about in the Fast Five. Big game coming up, not really uh, going to be a defensive showcase, but two pretty exciting offenses squaring off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers going head-to-head. A lot of popular storylines throughout this contest, but boiling it down very quickly, I think this game will be decided by how quickly the Kansas, uh, the San Francisco 49ers can get to Patrick Mahomes. He has actually only been sacked on 34 percent of his dropbacks, which if you're not a huge NFL fan, isn't a hell of a lot. So this matchup really boils down to how the Niners' pass rush can get after Mahomes and if they can force him to make a few mistakes and get him knock him a bit off his uh, bit off his game. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can. The Chiefs have done a really good job, as I mentioned, of keeping him upright. Should be a ripper contest, two high-octane offenses as well. So I think we'll see a lot of points. I'm going to talk about some Super Bowl bets that I like in a little bit, but The Niners do have arguably the most complete team in the NFL, so I think I am siding slightly with the Chiefs, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. Again, I did a massive preview. Uh, The link to the article will be thrown in this description, so you can read through all the numbers and the bits and pieces in that. But again, should be a ripper contest. I'm siding with the Chiefs. I think they'll win probably by less than a touchdown. Wouldn't be surprised if both teams put a ton of points on the board, and it won't be like uh, last year's snooze fest. We saw a 13-3 Scoreline, pretty uh, big matchup, obviously, for both coaches as well. The 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator when Atlanta famously gave up 25 straight points and lost to the Patriots a few years ago. And the Chiefs coach, Andy Reid, he has the most wins in NFL history of any coach who hasn't yet won a championship. So it'll be interesting to watch. I'm siding with the Chiefs, but make sure you don't miss what should be a hell of a Super Bowl. Second topic I'm going to talk about is some of my favorite Super Bowl bets. At the start of the playoffs, put money on the Chiefs to win and for Pat Mahomes to be the MVP because, let's be honest, most of the time if a team wins, the quarterback is the player who wins the MVP. Actually, more than half of the MVPs in the Super Bowl history have been quarterbacks and over 80% of them have come from the offensive side of the ball. So that's where I like a lot of the bets if you're going to look at potentially putting an MVP punt on. Pat Mahomes is only paying two bucks, so he is the most likely, obviously, dude to win it. And again, I think he will hinge, he will dictate a lot of uh, what will happen in the game. But 
Not a really exciting bet. From the Niners' perspective, if they're going to win, again, I think Jimmy G, he's only paying 3 bucks fifty. so the quarterbacks are the most popular guys to claim the MVP. Someone I do like as a bit of a long shot, though, is Emmanuel Sanders. The Niners haven't been a pass-heavy offense through the playoffs as well. I think Jimmy G's only passed the ball 27 times in two playoff games, which isn't a hell of a lot, so... We could see, again, their run game dominate a lot of the offensive side of the ball. And Raheem Mostert, I think, was the third shortest odds to win the MVP, the Niners starting running back. But I do like Sanders. They traded for him in the middle of the year to give them another weapon in the passing game, another veteran presence for Jimmy G to target. So he's paying 34 bucks to be the MVP. Julian Edelman was the MVP last year, hauling in, I think he had 11 catches, something like that, and nearly 140-odd yards. So... Don't think Sanders will have a huge day like that, but he could be someone who maybe catches uh, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, and gets 80 to 100 yards, which could be enough to get him the MVP. Both tight ends from the Chiefs and the Niners are pretty pivotal to their success. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the main target for Pat Mahomes and Kansas City's side, and George Kittle is arguably the best player on the Niners roster. Both of them are pretty tempting at 15 bucks a pop, so I might dabble and throw a little bit of money on either of them. When you're looking at the over and under, I think it's sitting at the moment at 54 points, so that's probably eight total touchdowns in the game, which sounds reasonable. I think it'll be pretty close, but I think they will get over that margin, so I'd probably back the over if you're uh, betting on that line. The Chiefs right now are one and a half point favorites, so I can't remember the last time a Super Bowl was decided by, you know, a couple of points. Maybe the, the most recent one that springs to mind is um, the Seahawks and Patriots. Maybe that was um, going down a, a bit of a tangent here, but I think that was a couple of points in it. So only one and a half points. If the Chiefs do win or the Niners win, I don't think it'll be by a solitary point. So I'm going to get on the Chiefs at one and a half and hopefully Pat Mahomes can get the job done. Rightio, turning my attention to the AFL. Third thing I want to talk about in the Fast Five is a couple of injuries to some notable dudes, especially if you're an AFL fantasy player. Isaac Heaney is set to miss about a month with a fractured thumb that requires surgery. A lot of the Sydney guys are saying that he's still going to be cherry ripe for round one, barring any setbacks. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't think I will ever have Isaac Heaney in my team again. I'm actually going to probably later in February do an article of my players who are on my never again list, and Heaney is definitely going to be one of them. He's currently the sixth most expensive forward and priced at 90. I don't know if he can go a hell of a lot better. He flirted with some success at times, but a lot of his big scores that he had a year ago were fueled by him kicking a bag of goals. So I don't know. If Sydney ever decides to put him in the midfield full time, he could be someone that comes back onto my radar and comes off the uh, never again list, but uh, he's priced at 666 right now. So that's a pretty good reason to stay away from him. I don't want anything to do with the devil's number. Another popular fantasy dude who's also set to miss a similar amount of time is Max Gorn. Has a moderate knee sprain, which never sounds good, especially for someone who's as tall as Maximus Gorn. May miss up to about five weeks. And again, the D's expect him to be there for round one, but he probably won't play in the Marsh series at all. So there's some people who are going to try and buck the trend and maybe go for someone other than Brody Grundy as their first ruckman, which I can get it. There's plenty of value in the ruck departments at the moment. And Gorn is 80 grand cheaper than Grundy. So there's a lot that you can do with that little bit of extra dosh. But I think it's wise to pass on Gorn. You kind of forget he's had two ACL injuries before, way back in the earlier phases of his career. And obviously you can't control injuries, but 
if you've had ACLs in the past, I don't know this for a fact as a doctor, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's a higher chance of you doing it again in the future. So knock on wood, hopefully Max Gorn will be right and get through a 22 game slate. But if you're looking at starting with someone other than Grundy in your first ruck spot, I think it's probably a good idea to steer away from Big Max. Fourth topic on the Fast Five today is the hot streak that Dame Lillard is on right now. In case you're not aware, his last six games have been pretty unbelievable, starting with a 61-point game. Over those last six games, he's actually nearly averaging 50 points, which is stupid. James Harden's gone on a similar tear, I think, about this time last year it might have even been, but Dame is averaging 48.8 points in his last six games. He's actually averaging 10.2 assists as well. So he's the first player in NBA history to average 45 points and 10 dimes over a six-game stretch. During that time, the Blazers have gone 5-1, and one, which has got them firmly back in the conversation for a playoff spot out west. There's going to be a ton of competition for that last spot in the playoff, or the eighth seed in the west, as it stands right now. The Blazers are a game and a half behind the Grizz at 23-27, and 27, so I think the Blazers, along with maybe the Spurs, and you can't really count out the Pelicans if Zion's back and running, I think those three teams are the guys who I like the most to fight for that last spot. The Grizz have been good, but in my opinion, I don't think they're going to hold up for the rest of the season. Watch this space. They could prove me wrong. They've been pretty impressive so far, but as it stands right now, I'm going to side probably with the Spurs or the Blazers, and Dame Lillard's performances have actually generated some genuine and deservedly MVP chatter. He's nearly averaging 30 points now on the season, the third dude to do that behind Harden and Giannis. If he could keep up this hot streak, he'll tick over that, but we haven't seen an MVP, excluding Russell Westbrook, since the 70s and 80s win less than 50 games and win the MVP. As I said, Westbrook did it in 2016-17 when he won 47 games, but averaged a triple-double for the entire year. So Dane will probably have to keep averaging close to 48 points if he wants to genuinely be in the MVP conversation. I think that Giannis is the dude that is almost got an unassailable lead in the MVP race right now, but... Lillard's hot streak at the moment definitely has him in the conversation. I probably would still rank him over the duration, his old body of work throughout the season. I'd still rank him behind the likes of LeBron. Luca and Harden are obviously right up there as well. So watch this space. If Dame can stay hot and steer the Blazers into a playoff spot and get close to 50 games, which would be actually probably a pretty impossible task. They'd have to go something like 27 and 5 from here on out. So... Yeah, it would be pretty impressive if he did that. He definitely deserves to be in the convo. But again, I still think it's Giannis's award to lose right now. Last topic for the Fast Five, sticking with the NBA. As I said at the leadoff, we're less than a week until the trade deadline hits and there are genuine crickets out there in the NBA news cycle. There's was plenty of talk of dudes like Kevin Love, Chris Paul, Andre Drummond, all these big name dudes, Kyle Kuzma as well, were talked about being moved a couple of months ago, mainly by the media and fans. No teams were really talking about it. And as a result, we've only seen about four trades so far. Willie Cauley-Stein was the latest one heading to Dallas. So not a lot to talk about from an NBA trade deadline perspective, but this will probably be the last pod that I talk about the trade deadline before it comes and passes. So I want to address a couple of the moves that could eventuate, starting with Andre Iguodala. He's still a Memphis Grizzly, and obviously if he can't be traded, it seems like he'll be bought out and another contending team will try and snap him up. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dallas Mavericks made a move for Iggy. I think 
that seems like a pretty nice potential landing spot. Both LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, have expressed interest, but after trading for Anthony Davis and Paul George over the summer, I don't think they don't have a lot of capital, so it wouldn't surprise me if a trade was to occur, that the Mavs were the ones that jump to the forefront. The Rockets, maybe, but I don't think Iggy really suits their game style. The Clippers have been linked to making a move, but I don't think they're going to be targeting someone like Iggy. They might try and get another big man, maybe one of the Morris brothers. I know, I think it's Marcus. I could be wrong. Probably uh, correct. But uh, one of the Morris brothers is dominating for the Knicks right now, and it would be good to see him uh, released from his shackles playing in New York and join the Clippers. But Watch this space. I don't know, again, if they have a lot of pieces to shuffle around, so they might not be able to pull off a move, and they might have to, like the Lakers, be a player in the buyout market instead. Someone that could get moved that I think deserves to be on a contending team, and it would be nice to see him playing some meaningful minutes in the postseason, is Robert Covington, currently a Minnesota Timberwolf. They, desperately after trading away Jeff Teague, need to get a point guard, so maybe someone who's deep at that position could find someone expendable and make a move for Rocco. The Rockets are someone who have been linked to Covington over the whole season to this far uh, to date, so maybe you could see them bob up and uh, make a move for him, but... Yeah, I don't really know. that. Like I said, the um, Timberwolves do need a point guard. No offence to Shabazz Napier, who's actually been playing all right this week, but they might make a move. They might not. Rocco might be someone that's a buyout candidate as well if uh, they do decide to go down that path. But like I said, I don't think we're going to see the Kevin Loves of the world moved over this deadline period. It seems like the draft's more likely when they will be traded. So unfortunately for Kevin Love, there's no more temper tantrums. He's going to... Uh, suck it up. He's the one that signed the four-year deal to stay in Cleveland, and uh, he's probably going to be there at least for the rest of this season. And that's all I've got for today's Fast Five. Thanks once again for tuning in. Make sure, quick little plug, you check out my article, if you're listening to this on Monday, on the Dream Team Talk site. I just uh, finished brushing up the last little bits. It's on Isaac Rankin, the Gold Coast Suns, basement price rookie, so he'll be a very popularly owned player throughout the season, so make sure you check that out. Again, the Super Bowl preview, you can have a read of that, and then I've got some other pieces that I'm working on heading into next week. But once again, thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, peace. Peace.